Welcome to the Levolution. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, honey. Will you come second service too? Now, seriously, welcome to the Levolution. That's what we've been talking about here. Looking in the book of 1 John. I want to encourage you again, if you're looking for a place to read in the scriptures, to grab 1 John and just keep reading through that as we go through it together. Um, we chose the word Levolution because a revolution, by definition, is when there's a dramatic change in the way something works or in our ideas about it. A revolution, a revolution is a dramatic change in, our, in, in the way something works or our beliefs about it. And so what's happening in this book of John is he's just helping you to see if God and his love actually become part of you. The word he used was called fellowship. And we've been defining fellowship in two ways. It's, it's joint participation. Okay? It's not, again, as I've been saying every week, it's not jello molds and casseroles and chocolate sheet cake, which is nice. I like that. But um, it's jointly participating. It's sharing in something. And what John said at the very beginning of this book is, I want you to jointly participate and share with us. I want you to have fellowship with us because we actually are doing this with God. We are sharing in his life. We are jointly participating in his very nature. And we want you to have that same experience too. And so here's the point. If you are sharing in the life of God, a love illusion takes place. A love illusion takes place. God's love changes everything, okay? God's love changes everything, and that's what we've been talking about. So as, as uh, Patrick said, two weeks ago, we talked about love illusion with Christmas, which was really a love illusion with our resources, and the key verse there was when John said, if you see a brother or sister in need, and you actually have stuff to help them, and you don't, and you shut off your heart to them, and he, John just said, well, how could the love of the Father be in you? Because of the love of the Father is generous, <laughs> He just, he, his heart is always to care and always to love and always to give. And so we have a love illusion, a dramatic change in how we handle our resources once God's nature gets inside of us because he finally sets us free to give stuff and to care and bless others. And then last week we talked about having a love illusion with ourselves in that uh, mainly we talked about the, the fact that we have a new realization, a new idea, a new belief, a dramatic change in how we see ourselves. First of all, we finally see that we're messed up. We finally see, really, that you are as what the Bible calls a sinner, which means you just have this nature that's bent to live in ways that are not with God. And the other realization that comes in about yourself is you realize, wow, when I walk in ways that aren't like God, I don't have fellowship with him, (laughs) which kind of makes sense because he's here and I'm here. And then not only do we realize we got a problem because we don't walk with God and we're separate from him, that if we stay separate from him, we'll be separate from him like forever. And, and that's a problem. It's called death. And so what we realized, this is the new revelation through Christ, is that Jesus Christ came, and he came so that he could take the penalty of death. Because death is actually deserved, and Jesus says, no, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the penalty. And what's so cool about God is he's actually just, and God would never punish one sin twice. He would never punish one sin twice. If he would, he'd be very unjust. But since Jesus Christ has already experienced the punishment, 
When you receive him, when you say, hey, Jesus, would you be my defense attorney? (laughs) Would you be my advocate? Would you take on everything for me? Then you literally experience what he's already experienced. So now what I know about myself is Jesus Christ is my savior. He really is because he took all of my punishment and all my wrath. God's already delivered my punishment and therefore he will not punish me. I am, as the Bible calls, free (laughs) and I'm justified. Okay, that's good news. I can't go. I, I, all right, anyway, let's go on. So today, today what we're going to talk about is when all this stuff starts happening, you have a love-illusion with God. You have a love-illusion with God. There's a dramatic change in how your life works with God and your ideas about it. And, um, and John The reason he wrote this book, you guys, is he wants you to know that you know him. He wants you to actually know that you know him. In fact, in 1 John 5, I believe it's verse 13, he says, I write to you who believe so that you'll know that you have eternal life. And so we we sit here today, and, and I think that really what that's called is when you know that you know God, it's, it's called assurance. There's, there's a confidence. And what John wants you, all of us to know, is I want you to have a love illusion with God. I want you to have a dramatic change in your experience with God. I want you to know that you know him. And so that's what this whole book is about, actually. The next weeks will be how we can know that. Now, see, this is important because all of us have experienced at different times or another when there's a lack of relational assurance. You guys ever had some relational, a lack of relational assurance? Okay. So I was just thinking back, like you can have that with your boss, right? I mean, your boss can say, hey, you know, I love what you're doing and love your work. And yet you never see a raise or you never get a a, a real, he can say things to you, but you can sniff out and you live your life thinking I could lose my job at any minute. That's, there's not a whole lot of assurance there, right? We also have with your parents, there's a, there's a whole lot of lack of assurance, unfortunately, that goes on with parents. Sometimes it's in a, and it's, it's, it's a win away in a way when we say, hey, if you ever do that again, I'm gonna, right? And then they do it again and you go, if you do that again, I'm gonna. And then they do it again. If you do that again, I'm gonna. Well, what's your kid finally go? What do they know? You're not gonna. And so you say things, you have these claims, and they now know, oh, you don't actually follow through on your claims. And so then what happens is this whole game starts to get played in your kid's heart, and they're trying to figure out now, oh, where is this boundary? See, so it, it, it messes up. There's a lack of, of assurance because they're not sure. Or you say, yeah, man, I totally love you. I can't wait to spend this Friday with, or Saturday with you. Saturday comes, and it's like, oh, you know, got something else I got to do. Okay? And there's a lack of assurance. Okay, the epitome of the lack of assurance is called dating. I mean, is there anything more hideous in life? You want to talk about the lack of assurance. I mean, you sit there every day and you have no idea because you don't know the person yet, right? And so you, and, and they don't know you either, man, because you've got your best stuff on and you're acting all good and everything and you're inside, but you know, you will never show them that and they're never showing you anything. You have no idea when this puppy's over <laughs> because there's no assurance in there. And then obviously with marriage too, sometimes we don't have assurance And one thing we do know is that the vows we said in our wedding ceremony 
don't bring assurance, do they? See, we can say, your boss can say things, and um, your parents or you as parents can say things, your girlfriend or boyfriend can say things, and, and uh, even your spouse can say things. And it doesn't necessarily give us assurance. I think one of the big reasons we have lack of assurance in our relationships is because our words don't match our lives. Right? Our words don't necessarily match our lives. And so when, that's, when there's a disconnect there, there's an unsettledness that happens in our hearts. So one of the things I realize is, is lots of people claim things, okay? Don't we? We all claim things. In fact, uh, yesterday I woke up and our furnace wasn't working. You know, of course, because it's snowing. You know, that's when the furnace stops working. And so, so I, you know, I, I needed to find uh, somebody, and we don't necessarily have anybody that we know in heating and air conditioning. So Susie said, hey, I got one of those envelopes, right, where they have all the ads in them, okay? Do you guys use those? No, okay. Well, we, we, we did, because I didn't know what else to do. And you guys, is it not hilarious when you grab all these ads? And what's every advertisement doing? It's claiming something. It's telling you how awesome they are and the friendly guy in the front, you know? Have you ever seen a plumber or a air conditioning guy like this? No. So they claim things, and you never know if it's going to be reality. So I finally picked one, and I called him up, and it was great. And she got on the, the a gal answered the phone, and she said, Hi, my name's Jessica. Thanks so much for calling, whatever it was, the name of the business. We're here 24 hours a day to serve you, and we just can't wait to help you. How can I help you smile? That's really what she said. I, I just started laughing. I go, really? I go, you want to make me, I did, I did, you want to make me smile? That's awesome. I said, well, here's the deal. My furnace isn't working. I can't get the pilot on. I'm not supposed to, I smell gas, so I'm supposed to call somebody. She goes, oh, I, I'm so sorry. All of our trucks for the emergency service today aren't available. And I said, 24 hours, we're here to serve you. Everything's there. See, there's claims that don't necessarily get backed up with reality. How many of you had eaten at a restaurant and it'll say, world famous burgers? You go, I sit there and I go, seriously? (laughs) This dive is world famous. You know, I think they must have an aunt, you know, who moved to Germany or something and that's how they can claim that. You know, somebody who their mom loves them and they live in the, anyway, world famous burgers. Well, here's the other claim. People all the time say, I love you. Man, I really love you. But see, when our lives don't match when lives don't match their lips, there's this disconnect that goes on. And, and sometimes what happens is because somebody has told us they love us, but they actually don't spend any time with us, or they never show really any interest in us, or whatever's going on, but they say, man, man I love you. What we'll end up saying is, oh, I know they love me, but you, you, know, you guys, you all been there, right? And it's really tough to have assurance if a claim isn't matching the heart or the life. And sometimes it's even true with us. And we'll say to somebody, or we'll say, yeah, I really love them. I really love them. And yet, inside your own heart, you're, you're not really sure. And you, and you don't act on some of the things that you know are actually loving, but you say you love them. And the same disconnect can happen in our heart. Well, I think what Jesus said, I, this is so funny, just my own personal time with him this week, a couple days ago. I was reading in Matthew um, 15, and he, he quoted an Old Testament passage that says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See, it's hard for you or me 
to know that we know God when our hearts are far from him. Does that make sense? So all of us, I think you want to have this assurance that you know God. And yet, if your heart is far away, it's hard to have that. We say, well, why doesn't my life actually match up with my lips? Because lots of times, especially in America, I know America's getting less and less Christian, but still many of us grew up and it's just, you can say that you're Christian and yet your lives don't match your lips. And there's a disconnect in our heart. And, the, and here's the point. The truth is, you, you don't. You, you actually don't fellowship with God. That's what we looked at last week. You don't when your lives, when your heart, are actually disconnected from him. So John, today, so if, I'm glad you're here today. Because it's a good day. Because I think what God wants to help us understand, what Jesus wants you to, what, what John wants to tell you, is you can know that you know him. You can know that you know him, and that's the love illusion that should take place. So I'm going to read the passage straight through real quick, and then we're going to pray. And I, I'm sorry, Jerry Lynn, uh, she's producing in the back, and I did not get her my notes this morning. So, but Jerry Lynn, I'm just going to try to read right through it, and you can see if you can follow me with that. Okay, if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter, 1 John, not John, 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to start with verse 3. It says this, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but doesn't do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. If a person obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. And yet, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. See, now in this passage, there are three claims. If anyone says, I know him. If anyone claims, I live in him. If anyone claims, I'm in the light. And then what John's going to help us to see is, okay, you can say one thing, but... Is it only your lips or is actually your life? Because if there's a disconnect between your lips and your life, your heart will remain unsettled. And what God wants to tell you today is your heart does not have to be unsettled. You can know that you know him. And that's awesome. So let's pray and then I'll jump in. God, um... I just want to say thank you that you want to know me and that you want to know everybody in this room and that there is an intimate desire of relationship um, between you and us. And so, Lord, I'm just going to ask today that, again, would you just give me grace? Um, help. I'm just going to, again, do my best to share what your truth is, what your word is, and I pray that you would take it and out of your great love for everybody in here. 
Would you open the eyes of their heart so they can see? Would you do what we can't do? God, we need you to work in the inside of us. So if anything's going to change on the outside, God, we know it's, it's because you changed something on the inside. And so for every heart in here today that actually desires to know you, God, and, and wants you to work on the inside, I, I just pray you'd have your way and make us really glad that we engage with you today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I did have three points. <clears throat> you might be uh, happy to hear, now I have one. <laughs> I, Susie's cheering again, so, because I only have one point. All right, so, okay. All right, so, um, but I want to get across one thing today, um, because the next two points we're going to do, instead of unpacking them today, we're actually going to unpack them in weeks following. Because if you saw when I, read the, when I read the scripture, he says, hey, if you claim to know him, if you really know him, then you'll actually do what he says, okay? Well, we're going to talk about that, I think, in three weeks. We're going to do a whole message on that. And then he says, hey, if you claim to be in the light, which means you're in fellowship with him, but you don't love your brothers and sisters, it's not really happening. So we're going to do a whole message on just what does that mean and how do we actually love each other and what's that, what's that look like? So today, I just want to talk to you about how can you know that you know him? And so 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. I'm just going to keep this up here. And uh, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. All right? So how can we know anything? So here, here's, here's the reality. I think there's two ways that we can know things. There's an objective way that we can know things, and there's a subjective way. And sometimes the objective way of knowing something is almost like this is the way we do it, and it's versus the subjective way. Okay, a real heady way, a real experiential way. Okay, and but what's what's really important, and this we're going to look at today, is to know to truly know anything or anyone. It must be objective and subjective, and the two have to come together. Okay, so let's let's look for a little bit. What does it mean if someone, uh, as a Christian even today, or as a, someone who's religious, if you are on the objective side? Okay, usually. The objective side is everything that's external. So you're trying to know something, but you're looking at something that's outside of yourself. And so for a person who's really strong on the objective side, what happens is all, what really matters is the religious, all religious experience is about rules and rituals. This is what it says, so this is what you do. All learning is in the head. Okay? And, and a lot of people have done this. A lot of people will, will uh, necessarily say that, hey, like I, back in Detroit, um, there was, and I'll, I'll be very, very gracious here, but in, in Detroit, <clears throat> there were a lot of people who would just naturally say, hey, I'm Catholic. Okay? Well, what did that mean that they were Catholic? What it meant was they grew up Irish or Italian, right? And, and they grew up, and there was this culture, there was this outward way, and so this is what you do. And, and, and many of you grew up, no matter in what church service or religion, Baptist, Methodist, some, it doesn't matter. And all of your experience, all of your religious experience has been objective. And you've, you know, hey, what are the Ten Commandments? You learn those, you write them down. Okay, got that. Who are the 12 uh, disciples? Okay, got those, got those. Great, awesome. What are the fruits of the Spirit? You got those? Great. So you sat there the whole time, and everything about your religious experience was outside of you. Does that make sense? And you were learning things about God. And so the problem with only staying on the objective side of things is there's no personal experience. 
And so there's a lot of people who have been very religious their whole life, and they've never actually let God in. They've kept him out here, and they know a lot about him, and they can spit a ton of information, but if you ever actually ask them to talk about their faith, they'll immediately go, no, that's a private thing. And because there's nothing really living going on inside of here, And so here's here's the problem, is if you are only living in the objective side of faith or religion, there's no real way to have assurance because you actually never know if you did enough. If it's all about a bunch of rules to follow, if I go to church enough, if I do enough of these things, then it's really hard to have any assurance because you don't quite know if you've done enough. So that's the objective side. Now let's talk about the subjective side. On the subjective side, It's not external, it's all internal. It's all about personal experience. And it's all based on what I feel, if this works for me. And and so, if you're a subjective religious, and sometimes we'll say, I'm very spiritual. And, And what that means is, I am getting to know God based on my personal experience. And if this works for me, then I can say that I know God. Now, here's the problem with that one. If your knowledge of God is completely based on your experience, okay? I have seen this 26 years in ministry. You guys trust me on this one. Your experience is going to change. And your feelings are going to change. And if you are riding, basing who God is on your own personal experience, and if it works for you, then what happens, hot dog buns, remember this? What happens if all of a sudden it stops working for you? <laughs> See, now you have what? No assurance. Because I can't muster up the feelings I used to have. I'm not having the experience I used to have. God's not speaking to me like he used to. So, that's a problem. And some of you, and here's, can we just, here's the reality. There's not one of us in this boat That would be a room. This is a room. There's not one of us in this room who doesn't lean one way or the other, okay? We're not Jesus. So some of you are in here today, and you do, man. It's all about what you're feeling. Sometimes God is awesome, and you're riding with him, and you say, I know him. And then all of a sudden, you dip down, and you're like ready to bag the faith. And people bag the faith all the time because they have no assurance of their personal subjective experience. And some of you are here, and you're more on this side. And you are all about what you're growing in your knowledge and your thinking and in your head, and you're trying to figure out God with all of just the head knowledge, and yet you stiff-arm him. And you, you don't allow him to actually have any experience. And your whole assurance is based, therefore, not on a subjective relationship with God, but all on what you know and what you do, and hopefully you do enough. See, and this is, I got good news for you. Both of those are a big crock. I, I tried to find a word that, what's a crock? I don't even know. But what I wanted to say, I couldn't, and so I said that. All right. So, the problem is, neither of those work. Knowing God, and John says, I want you to know that you know him. The only way you can know him is if there is both an objective and a subjective experience. Okay? What does that mean? 
Well, you guys, the word to know, and this is the problem, and I've said this for seven years here at K2, the problem is we grew up in an education system that said, if you can spit back the answers, then you know it, okay? How many of you were good at spitting back answers? I was the king of it, man. You know how you do it, right? You just look at your study notes all the way up to class, right? And then you set it down on your desk, and it's right there, and you're going over, and then the teacher says, okay, Turn them up, you turn them upside down, and you turn them down, and then you just spit back everything, and you get a 3-5. <laughs> and what do you know? <laughs> Nothing! <laughs> and see, so that's what's happening with God. See, when we hear, hey, I want you to know that you know him, we, aren't, we, aren't, we don't know what it means even to really know. Well, here's what it means. It means you're having fellowship with him. The very word fellowship and the very word knowing deeply are the same thing. It means you're having a joint participation with each other in, in nature, in your natures and in your hearts. You're sharing each other's lives with each other. That's, that's what it actually means to know. So how does this work? Here's, here's how this works. How does it work objectively? For me to know God, and I, and I just want to tell you, okay, and this is not boastful because John wants all of you to be able to say this. I know him. I feel like I, I know him. How? Because objectively, what you have to do is you have to let God tell you who he is. So there is a side of getting to know anybody where you have to say, God, who are you? So here's what I did I actually took him at his word. And I got to this place in my life where I finally said, you know what? It doesn't matter what I feel. And it doesn't matter what I think. That's God. And my thoughts and my feelings don't define him. Does that, do you guys see, you see how that happens? See, because here's what happens in our human relationships all the time. We want to define somebody else. You ever been defined by somebody who felt certain things about you? <laughs> who had thoughts about you? And they told you certain things? So here's, here was what I finally came down to, is I want to know him. And here's the reality. There is no chance for relationship with any human. There is no chance for any relationship with God unless you let him tell you who he is. So I was thinking about this. This is it's kind of painful for me because there's two Dallas Cowboy hats right here in, in the front of the house. And I was just thinking, that would be, it would be like someone coming up to me and saying, hey, Dave, you're a Dallas Cowboy fan. No, I'm not. <laughs> And Brad is a really good friend of mine, but we could, if Brad actually came to me and said, well, here's the deal, Dave. No, because I am, and that's what really works, so you need to be that. Well, I'm not that. Or someone could send to me and say, Dave, I just went, you are organized, and you like everything to stay exactly the same. Somebody knows me. So it's Brooke. She's on staff. Um, and here's the point. No, I'm not. But somebody could look at me and say, but listen, but I need you to be that. See, because that's the way I am, and so I need you to be organized, and I need you to like everything to stay the same, because if you actually be who you are, you really mess me up. You guys have marriage, anybody? <laughs> Y'all just go with that one right there? See, we don't want the person, we don't want to know who they are. We want to tell them who they are because I want my life to work, and I'm organized, I need you to be organized. Dave, here's mine with Susie. Dave, I, what you love is to be touched. No, I don't. 
No, I really don't. Yeah, but see, but I do. And since my love language is touch, I need you to like touch. No. That's just not true. I know, but if this relationship is going to work, right? Because this is what I need and this is what I'm like. So this is what you're like. Okay. What all of us do is we know who we are and we know what we like and we're trying to make God what we want him to be. You guys following this? If you do that, you have no objective reality with God. You can't have relationship and fellowship with God because you've actually never gotten to know him because you've tried to tell him who he is instead of letting him tell you who he is. So, okay, thank you. So, on the objective side, you do need to get to know him and drive into his word and let him reveal who he is, okay? Now, how does it happen on the subjective side? On the subjective side of things, you have to let God and his ways into every area of your life. So what's happened here is some of you come to church and you go to Bible studies and you read your Bible and you read books and you get all this knowledge of God and yet you stiff arm him and you actually don't let him in. The only way to know God really now on the subjective side experientially is if you let him into every area of your life. Because what is, what is fellowship? Joint participation. So the question is, have you let God into your life? Is he jointly participating with you in your marriage? Okay? Or have you stiff-armed him? See, more and more and more for me, I realize that marriage is really all about worship. It's really all about worship. Because if I'm fellowshipping with God, that means if I'm knowing God, then that means I have actually let him into my heart, into my love for my wife. And one of the things I realize now is that when I don't love her, I don't walk in God and I get in the darkness. And we're going to, that's what we're going to find out. This is what's true. And same thing for you women. When we don't love each other, when we don't submit, submit to one another, then what happens is I get out of line of God. So how do I actually experience God? I let God tell me who he is and what's actually light, what's actually reality, what's actually good. And I listen to him and I try it in my marriage. You guys following that? See, if you do that, then what happens is you experience God in your relationships. And man, I'm telling you, I know, you know, poor Susie, she knows when I'm fellowshipping with God and when I'm not. Because when I'm not, this isn't very good. But when I am, when I'm bringing him into my life and experiencing him, then I have a great relationship with Susie And I'm telling you, that's one of the ways you know him. You let God into your marriage. You let God into your finances. You finally say, you know what, God, what are your ways? What are your teachings? Oh, you mean greed and hoarding things and keeping everything for myself actually causes stress and is one of the top destroyers of marriage? Uh Uh-huh, just want to let you know that. You mean it can cause me to get really anxious and really worried about losing all my stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's not really good. So actually, just be really open-handed, take what I've given you, and pour it out. And watch what happens. Your heart gets free. It's so cool. And by the way, the world gets blessed. It's a really cool idea. Oh, okay. See, and when you actually trust God and do what he says with your finances, you know what happens? This is so nuts, you guys. You experience God. 
And we sit out here all the time. We go, I don't know if I know him. I don't know if I experience him. I don't know if I can hear his voice. The point is he's speaking and he's moving and he's teaching us all the time. But when we stiff arm him and don't let him into our lives, we don't experience him and then we don't know him. Into your work, into your inner life, into your sin. One of the greatest things you could ever do is let God into the deepest, darkest places of your life. And so many of you right here, you have so many things you're hiding in your life. You have so much shame. You think God would just stomp you out if he knew. He knows, by the way. (laughs) Um, If anything, if this all came out, so you just cover it up. And then you know what happens? You live in darkness and you never get to experience what we talked about last week where God comes in and says, I knew how messed up you were and I knew you were separated from me. And so I sent Jesus so he could take your punishment because now that I punished him, I won't punish you. Now you and I can be in relationship and I can put my spirit inside of you and you can live with him. Oh my, really? Really? And see, but we keep God out of our darkness and our sin. And we don't experience him. So you let God into every area of your life. By the way, it's just true with people too. The reason, Susie and I know each other, the reason you know anybody who's close to you, one of the things you had to do is you had to let him in. You had to let him in. You know, and most of you in this room, I could go up and say, you know, do you know who I am? And you'd say, yeah, you're, you're Dave Nelson. And I would say, do you know me? And you'd have to say, no. I mean, you've shared some things from up front. But no, she knows me. Now, here's the other thing that has to happen to experience and know that you know God is you have to not only let him into every area of your life, you have to engage in his life. You actually have to follow him because God is alive and he's active and he's doing things all the time. And there's a certain way that he does them because he's holy and righteous, right? We learned last week, in him is light and there's no darkness at all. And so every time you say yes to God, you know what happens is you join him in his life. And then all of a sudden, I, was just, I just put on, so you engage with God in every area of your life. Well, what's God like? You know what God's like is he forgives everybody. And see, so if you hold grudges and you get mad at somebody and now what happens? You build walls up between you and them and bitterness comes in and and relationship starts to fold completely. And you know what? That means you didn't fellowship with God because God forgave everything for you. And so if you're gonna experience God, that means you follow his commands, you walk in his ways, that means you forgive. You guys following that? And man, have you ever forgiven somebody who didn't deserve it? Oh, sets you free. Did you guys know, right? Because when you don't forgive, you're the prisoner. You all know that, right? And then you set yourself free. Here's another one. God serves other people. That's just what he does. And so if you're going to follow God, you jump in and you don't live for yourself anymore. In fact, Jesus said, I died so you no longer live for you, but now you live for me and I actually live for others. So let's do it. (laughs) And then this place would rock and your family would rock and your workplace would go, what's up with that dude? (laughs) Why is he always thinking about me instead of him? Well, that's just not how you do it. And everything would change. You speak truth and you give grace. And anyway, that's how you actually get to know God on the subjective side. So John says this. He says, we know that we have come to know him. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. See, Jesus said it another way. He said, if you hold to my teachings, then you're really my disciple. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
So let me help you understand maybe why you feel like you don't know him. Or anytime I don't, and I've shared this, I'll share so open, you guys, last year, I so struggled with my own intimate knowledge of God. This is a relationship, right? And I'm messed up, are you? Okay, good. Just want to make sure you're not lying. <laughs> Marriages are good at times and bad at times. My relationship with God is good at times and bad at times. Last year, I started buying so many lies and started experiencing a disconnect of my intimacy and my knowledge of God. And I did a whole series on these hot dog buns with you to help you understand how this can happen. Let's not let this happen. Because then all of a sudden, I start doubting whether he even loves me or if I have his favor. That is from the pit of hell. And yet I'm believing it. Right? Anybody else out there struggle with knowing God? Why? Here's one way. One reason why we don't know him is because you don't hold to his teachings. See, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, then you are my disciples, really, and then you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay? So part of the reason, right there, when when we struggle is um, by not holding to his teachings, what that means is you're learning things, okay? You come to church, and you hear a message, and you come up to me and go, nice message, pastor, and we do the, you know, pastoral handshake and all that crap, and then we walk out. Um, See, if you don't hold, what, you know what it means to hold to his teaching? It means what you hear in here, you actually go do it. And what Jesus says is, if you only hear my teaching and actually never do it, you aren't my disciple. Because now you don't share with me. We're not, we're not jointly participating. You're getting a bunch of head knowledge. That doesn't change you. The only thing that changes you is if you actually take what my teaching was and hold to it and, and hop in here and join me in this. He goes, then, he goes, oh, if you hold to it and you actually do it, you know what happens? You know the truth. You don't know about it. You go, this works. This was good. And then what does he say? You know the truth. And then what happens? He sets you free. Woo! See, now here's the point. So all of us love that part. I want to know the truth and set me free. Come on, Jesus. Why am I not free? Um, Because you don't do anything I tell you to do. Because you're really objective. You know a lot. And you don't love me. Okay, let's... If you really love me, Jesus says, you obey me. And then my joy becomes complete in you. And John says, I want you to know that you know him. So hold to his teachings, keep his commands, do what he tells you to do. And you'll start experiencing God. You know, it's so cool. Um, Lad said this a few weeks ago, it's so ringing with me. Here's what's really interesting about Jesus. He never asked somebody to believe in him before he asked him to follow him. Think about that. Jesus said, follow me to a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors and a bunch of goofballs. Did they believe in him when he said, follow me? No. They didn't. You know what they did? They followed him. And they did what he said. And as they did what he said, they came to experience him and they finally came to know him and then they believed in him. Isn't that interesting? Hold his teachings. 
Why don't I know him? The other reason could be this. You don't hold to his teachings. See, there's an emphasis here. You want to write that down? The first problem is I don't hold to his teachings. The second problem is I don't hold to his teachings. See, and that is the person who's subjective again, who who just wants personal experience and whatever I feel is right for me and that's what's good. So when you read the Bible and all of a sudden Jesus says, okay, here's the deal. Um, You can't be my disciple unless you take up your cross, deny yourself and uh, serve, you know, totally die to yourself. And we go, oh, that's not what he really meant. (laughs) You know. Wait, wait, hey, how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? Like seven? How 70 times seven? Just, you know what? Love your enemies. Well, Jesus, you're wacky. So I'm going to, I like this part of your teaching. I don't like this part. <laughs> See, as soon as you do that, you go, why don't I know God? Because the spiritual experience you're having is your own. You made it up. It's yours. And that is our culture today. Our culture says, you do whatever you want. So that's fine if you want to go down that road, but you won't ever know God. Because you actually never held to his teachings. And once you follow him and you hold to his teachings, then you have a chance to know them. To know him. And once you know him, he will set you free. So, what do we do? I've got two things for you. I'm not even going to read the rest of the passage. We'll, we'll get into this. But, but actually, can I just say, though, it makes sense now when John goes to this verse and he says, whoever says, I know him, but doesn't do what he commands is a liar. Do you guys understand why John's saying that now? See, because if you say, I know God, I have fellowship with God, I jointly participate with God, I don't do what he says, but I know it. And John just goes, no, 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 no. See, you're, you're lying and mostly to yourself. You have fooled yourself. Some of you are so frustrated in your experience with God because you bought the lie that you can do whatever you want and be in fellowship with him. And those two things can't happen. So the first thing we got to do today is you just need to come to Jesus and say, you know what? I am going to follow you. I really want you to have your way with my life. I want to jointly participate with you. I want to share in you. God, I confess to you today. I'm a, well, I can't really say I'm a disciple because a disciple actually follows you. So I have been a Christian and I need to tell you today, God, I'm sorry, I don't do what you say. And no more. And can I just tell you, we're going to get into this later. Some of you are Christians today. You are, you're his kid You totally believe, you put your faith in him, you just haven't walked with him in a really long time. And you know what's happened? Your assurance has got unsettled, hasn't it? Because you haven't sensed him. And he wants to bring you home today. So some of you just need to do what he commands you and stop walking opposite of him. The other thing some of you need to do is this, is you need to get to know him. And I just want to say one example and then we're going to worship. You need to get to know him. And... I I tell you, the message we gave last week, a lot of us have a hard time really believing that what God says is true, that what he did in Christ was enough for you. And so you have this spiritual experience and you totally base, and so when you fall, right, 
and you don't sin, I mean, you don't walk in the light and you sin and you struggle, you know what happens is your relationship with God gets really far away. Can I just, can I just share something with you? The only way to stay close to God is to admit that I'm a sinner and every time I fall, to really believe what he says. Here's what God tells you. If you confess your sins, I'll be faithful and just to forgive you because all of your sins were in Christ's body. There is nothing in you that you have done, nothing in you that you have done that wasn't taken by Christ. And part of the reason many of you as Christians in this room don't enjoy God and don't know him and aren't assured of your relationship with him is you still think that that sacrifice wasn't enough. And you're going, God, please punish me again. Please. And he's like, uh-uh, not going to do it. I'm just. I've already delivered my punishment. And you need to believe that. See, that's objective truth that you need to hold on to. God loves you. He's for you. He's taking care of everything. So what we're going to do here in our worship time is... Um, because you guys know what we do in worship too, is we claim things. You guys ever, I don't know if you've ever felt like this, you're singing this song and you're singing these words and you're going, oh, I don't even believe that. Or you're singing this song, you know, I, I surrender all. And in your heart you're going, I ain't surrendering nothing. <laughs> or, or maybe a little bit. This all stuff, I don't know about. So, so what we do when we worship is we claim stuff all the time. You know, we honor God with our lips. <laughs> and yet our hearts are really far from him. So what we're going to try to do today is actually honor him with our lips. But I want to try to give you time to make sure your heart is actually singing this stuff to him and not just your lips. So in this first song, here's a line that we're going to sing. You are going to sing, Search my heart and search my soul. God, go to the deepest places of me. In my life, Lord, have your way. And what I want to do is I'm going to give you a minute to actually just sit here with those words and just deal with your own self and deal with God. Do you, in the next 15 to 20 minutes, actually want God to search your heart? Do you want him to search your soul? Because he will if you want him to. You can shut him off if you want. Or you can say, God, would you shine your light and show me even this morning where I'm not following you? Would you show me where I'm in the dark? Because I don't want to, I want to know you. I don't want to be separated from you. I want this fellowship. I want the joy, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I want that in my life. And I finally realized I can't have it unless you show me in my heart. Because, Lord, I really want you to have your way. I want to jointly participate with you. So while this word stands up here, you pray and you, you deal with God right now and ask him to come in and speak to you, okay? And to show you what's inside your heart and your soul. And then we'll sing.